0: Mindfulness Mode, 76.
1: The mind is a little crazy in there, and it's telling you things that haven't happened yet, things that have never happened that probably won't ever happen.
0: Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Thanks so much for joining us here in Mindfulness Mode. To thank you for listening, I'll send you a free copy of my book. I teamed up with author Brian Tracy along with some other entrepreneurs to create the best-selling book called Cracking the Success Code. You'll learn more about my story and how I became an anti-bullying advocate, which later led to mindfulness and my mindfulness coaching. Get the book free at mindfulnessmode.com slash cracking. Enter your name and email and you'll have your book downloaded in no time. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Alex Hofeld on the line today. Hey, Alex, are you in mindfulness mode? You know it. (laughs) Alex Hofeld is a high school science teacher specializing in biology and astronomy. Fascinated with science the brain, and human communication, Alex is also immersed in mindfulness, well-being, and fitness, and he loves helping others see how happiness can be reached through the daily practice of mindfulness. Alex is also a yoga teacher, a fitness instructor, and a podcaster, sharing his knowledge with the world on his podcast called Beautiful Dust Specs. So, Alex... I'd like to know a little bit more about mindfulness from your viewpoint and what it means to you. So tell Mindful Tribe exactly what does mindfulness mean to you?
1: All right. Mindfulness to me is, I always like Tara Brock's when uh, I heard definitions of it, which was your relationship with reality. And as a busy person, as a person that I struggle with ADHD and various other things like that, and I just got a busy brain. So it's my way of you know just slowing down and just trying to appreciate these moments of life instead of just letting them go by and when my feet go from point a to point b and your mind can go from a b c d e f g i'm trying to bring the two of them two of them in sync a little bit more just to slow it down throughout the day
0: well, Alex, I personally really admire the way your brain works because, you know, you're a fascinating person. And to me, you know, you've got the passion for life and it really comes through. Wow. I'm impressed with what you do. And so I, I just wonder, when did you start to practice mindfulness in your life?
1: You know, I think uh, looking back, I think I was doing it without truly calling it what I was doing, like uh-huh. what we were talking talking about before the show about how science always helped me do that. And then also the, you know, my most, my most mindful moments where I was, I was a big extreme sports advocate. Like I'm, I'm really big the mountain biking. I used to be, I used to be really cool and do cool stuff on my skis and I'm a little, I'm getting a little older now. But so when I was doing that stuff, you know, the, the flow states, the, in the zone, the, yeah. the sports and such was always, was always a big part of it, even though you truly don't have any clue. But looking back, I think it would I could have enjoyed it so much more, you know? Like you'd sit there and be like, man, this this mountain's awesome, but if I could have looking back, I could have really sat there and really admired it. But I do remember little things where when I lived in Tahoe for a while, I would ski home and there was every time you went down the cat trail, there was one spot and I kind of Told my mind, I knew I wouldn't be there forever, so I, I told myself to stop at this one spot for at least, you know, at least sixty seconds every day when I skied home and admire it. You know, I told myself to wake up every morning and drink my coffee looking at the window instead of the television because I lived at like seventy two hundred feet, you know. And so I think I always kind of did that stuff, but then just recently, I'd say I really, you know, I'm a, I'm a science advocate. So this this whole the science of mindfulness right now is just exploding, and it's kind of getting out of the woo woo states. So it's kind of getting mainstream now. So when any any smarter people to me tell me something really benefits them, I usually try and dabble in it. So yeah. and then with the yoga instructing, I've been I got my certification 2 years ago, so I've really been, you know, trying to live the life that I want my my people to live and it permeates through me and through them and it works pretty well.
0: Super. Well, let's talk about the science of mindfulness. Sure. So so what's the main area where science has opened up mindfulness in your opinion?
1: Oh, the, the recent studies that just keep coming out, there was one published, um, I want to say it was published by Harvard, where they took two groups of people and they took them to a retreat that they, they classified as high-stress people. I, you know, I'm assuming they had a control group set up where it was all, they all had relative lives and work schedules and such, or maybe they did baseline. I've only seen summaries of the, I haven't seen the full article. Um, They took them to a retreat and three of the six were actually given like full on mindfulness training with a mindfulness coach where the other three were just put in there and just kind of told to relax without really mindfulness being at the core. And the group that had the training, you know, rep- they, they reported massive amounts of less stress. But the real, the real crazy indicator was four months later when they looked at their blood of the people, it was I think it was interleukin was way down. And interleukin is one of the major in, uh, indicators of inflammation in the body. So for me as a science person, as a health coach, where, you know, inflammation is what we're trying to decrease with exercise and nutrition, that mindfulness can actually change your blood chemistry was just, was just blowing me away. And there was another one. Posted on it it was like twenty minutes of mindfulness a day for only two months, literally changed the amount of like brown matter in the brain, meaning that it was actually changing the the brain the chemical composition of the mind, which was just wild just to think about that but you know when you, when you look at the placebo effect and the the phenomena of that it's not it 's not shocking to me whatsoever, but it's just cool that it 's getting it 's getting mainstream and now all the All these people just left, right and center are coming out because now it's they're like, oh, yeah, I've been doing that for 50 years. Just now it's cool to talk about where before it was kind of a it was kind of like a, you know, I don't know, maybe like a weakness thing or something where you didn't. It was kind of closeted if you did it. But now all the sports teams and entrepreneurs and rappers and, you know, you name it are all being like, oh, yeah, this is one of the greatest things I've ever ever incorporated into my life.
0: Yeah, I've certainly experienced that talking to so many people who just are comfortable now opening up about it yeah, just like you said sure. it's coming out of the closet. So, let's talk about uh neuropathways. That's something that's mentioned a lot. So, tell us your viewpoint on how science is r- sort of opening up our knowledge of neuropathways and how they can change.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I actually did one of my episodes, I had a write a blast doing it. And I think it was like episode 2 was I did about learning and yeah, they, the concept of neuroplasticity. So your your brain is just composed of a, it's they have very unique cells the cells don't really replicate as much like your average cell where they go through mitosis and go divide and multiply uh your brain is more fixed in its cells but it's plastic neuroplasticity meaning that whatever comes in can actually it actually changes connections it it changes and moves the neurons around in essence and creates new pathways and that's just an amazing thing to think about when your mindfulness is just. I tell my kids at school because I work with the students a lot with this, and you know, it's like it's like a it's like a muscle. And when we do we do sports and we do you know physical fitness and weight training and such, you get better at it over time because it's neuro neuroplasticity and um, neuromuscular connections. You know, your nerves that fire together will wire together. So that you'll start to c- create these connection change of nervous energies, it, not nervous like you're anxious, but ner- you know, neurons, and it'll allow your body to control your body in different ways. So when you do mindfulness, it, it's almost like flexing your mind muscles to where you're, you're creating and stimulating ner- new pathways. And then, yeah, it'll change, it changes the, br- the brain's compo- composition. And then the, we all know that the, the mind-body connection, your mind has a way more profound impact on your, on your body than your body has on your mind. So that's just kind of bringing the two of them together but it's pretty wild. It's a it's an incredible thing to think that just simple training, just simple breathing and, you know, just being aware of what's in your head can actually de-stress and kind of turn down the static that's in your brain. You know, the yogis always call it the monkey mind and it it seems to it seems to make sense.
0: Yeah, it really does make sense. Now, here's the big question, Alex. So how do we harnesses how do we we uh, identify our goals we identify what we want different in our life and then we have to move backward from there and start with mindfulness and change our habits in order to achieve those goals how do we pull this off
1: i just start small just start really easy keep it simple we always, uh, it's it's very intimidating, and it's it's kind of funny to think that it's intimidating to do nothing. You know, like I'm, yeah. if I ask you to do one minute or ten, five or whatever, eat ten to twenty, you know, somewhere upwards of two hours, which I can't honestly, even myself, I can't I can't fathom that. I've rarely I've rarely made it to a twenty minute sit. I I usually get. I usually get a little fuzzy around eight to 10 and I start standing up. But so I would just say, start small. Just, you have to decide that you're going to do it and then don't stress on it. Like it, for me, my ego got in the way a lot and it turned into kind of a competition where your mind will start racing after a minute. And then you're like, Oh my God, like I'm, I'm so terrible at this. And you start getting frustrated. Then you sit, you, you get off the mat or you stand up or you, you know, leave your chair or whatever, and just go about your day mindlessly. So I would just say, you just decide to attempt it every day and then, look at a bunch of different people there. If you're really into it, like me, there's so many good resources out there. And I mean, I just, I always kind of have a tiered system of approaches where like the ways you can start small, like you're just kind of dipping your toe in the water and even just dipping your toe in the water is going to have a huge impact on you. So there's a few strategies that I've implemented with the students and myself. And then there's so many apps now, you know, like yes. we, you don't need to do it yourself. You don't, even as a yoga instructor, I sometimes feel like I'm like, I should be able to do this myself. Like it's almost like I'm I don't know. Like it's weird that I have to use an app, but then I'm like, who cares? Like this 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 app helps me. It's like having my little coach next to me that I can usually do with people. And so just whatever resonates with you, or, you know, I always tell people just turn on turn on your favorite song. Just put some headphones on. Turn on your favorite song. This is actually from Tim Ferriss' his show. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I never talked to the guy, but I right. listen to his podcast all the time. And yes. he said he started with just picking up your favorite song. Just close your eyes and just your goal is just to breathe through the song. Like you know, don't mm-hmm. even think too much about it. When the song's over, listen to another or stand on up, you know, and you can do a lot of stuff like that. Then like little box breathing exercises, just very basic yoga, upward hands poses can kind of do, but just, just kind of do it until you're, until you feel fuzzy and don't even I mean, you can even not even time it at the beginning. Just just dive into it. And then as you get going, just start to research it and start to try and elongate the time and try and maybe pick on like an app like Headspace or something. Pick one of the longer ones as you kind of get going. But then if it struggles, you just shake it off. Just, you know, forget yeah, about it. Yeah. Just stand up and go about your day. And it'll just kind of start to permeate through you. And, you know, I do little breath breaks with the kids. We do five breath beginnings at the beginning of class to where every class we just start with five breaths and or we'll do a minute of mindfulness here. We do a breath break here and there and stuff. And it they're they're shockingly especially the upperclassmen, they're they're mm-hmm. very hungry for it. I'm I'm really motivated by how hungry the high school kids are. I kinda thought it would be intimidating for me to like stand up there and have right. my eyes closed and but they're they get mad at me when I don't when I forget it throughout the yeah. day.
0: Like, I freak, I find yeah, the like, same thing yeah. Alex and and I actually find it with little kids as well as older yeah. students you know that you know sometimes students will come in and they're like noisy and they're talking and there's all this buzz and there there's just all over the top with mm-hmm. their energy and their excitement and then when we start doing one of these exercises they start getting calm, and mm-hmm. they really, really appreciate it, so yeah, I can ter- certainly identify with what you 're saying, so do you ever call it meditation
1: not really in honestly, in my mind, the two are the two are kind of separate for me. you know when we did the the yoga training, it was more focused on meditation, mm-hmm. and you know this is just my opinion on this to me, that resonates with a, a state of nothing in your brain, you know like the the just focus on the breathing, the just you know just the nothingness, sorry, Like the unconscious mind and stuff, which is very challenging. I find meditation to be like truly doing it to some regard to me. It's, it seems very daunting. And I, I, I reach states like this, like you'll get into mindfulness and I'm, it yeah. becomes meditation without right. really calling it that, especially in like, you know, after a hard yoga session or something like the Shavasana at the end. Like I've definitely been in kind of transient, weird states, you know, and I've gone to gong baths and stuff like that. But for me, mindfulness is just, it's a little more active because I really enjoy the art of thinking. Like I think thinking, like I almost want to get it tattooed on my body one day, just the word think. I think it's like the greatest thing that a human being can do. So I kind of enjoy the the idea of staying in, in my mind, like staying present and just being aware of what's in there, not really changing or judging it, as opposed to fighting the idea of trying to get all things void. I think that'll just kind of come and come with time, you know, but so, no, I, I don't really call it meditation. Plus, again, with being the high school teacher, you you do worry a little bit where they associate meditation with, you know, Buddhism and spirituality and religion and such. Mm-hmm. So I, you just call it mindfulness. And I just call it mindfulness or just mindfulness, breathing or stress reduction. You know, you, sure. it's hard to argue that where I do worry. You just we've heard I've heard stories of not being able to do yoga because it's, you know, if you call it yoga, it's it's, it's associated with, you know, Buddhism or Taoism or something. And right. So, But no, I, I truly don't call it meditation a little bit. People sure. will, and I, I try and always justify it. Just it, it eases it a little. I just find meditation to be more, more, more intimidating to me, to be honest.
0: Well, I just find a lot of times I don't have to call it anything. I just say, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is what we're doing. You know, we're yeah, doing totally. this thing, and that's all there is to it. Yeah, so tell me this. How do you think that thinking the way a scientist thinks can help us with mindfulness?
1: from the standpoint of just data and study like it validates why you should be doing it you know like mm-hmm. from that's like from the outside looking in that's the easiest just that this these studies that are actually being with these functional mag, functional uh, fMRI scanners now and such and these blood mm-hmm. brain they they can map blood blood paths for activity in the mind now in the, in the head so from a science standpoint that is there but then it's just you can also look at it from it's always kind of like a little experiment for me like it's it's something where i know what i want out of my body i know i want to live a happy healthy life to the fullest and I always kind of go by if, if smarter people know something than me, I usually listen to them. So when a yeah. scientist or a person or, or even somebody who has a life that, you know, you don't want to envy or anything, but you, you admire, you look up to and they're like, hey, I do this and this, you know, like example, Tim Ferriss, right? I mean, he's, yeah. he's like, I think this is the greatest return on investment of my time spent throughout the day. I'm like, well, why would this guy that I listen to weekly, you know, say this? Okay, scientifically, let's run an experiment. Let's, let's, let's try it out. And then just being open, I think science on, a, on the grandest scale, it's you approach science from a non-biased standpoint. you know you, you go at it from a what is the data, what is the feeling?" And so if you just sit down and just give it a whirl without any prejudgment and just see where it takes you. It, it can't hurt. It can't harm you, you know, it's, yeah, for it, it, sure It's there's nothing bad that can come of it. So yeah. that's usually where it goes. So I'd say just data and then just, you know, little self experiments like that, just an, an inquisitive mind is always, and always is always a powerful mind in my opinion.
0: Yeah, true. So Alex, let's talk about habits. Like somebody said to me one time, just think of human beings as robots.
1: Oh yeah. And, totally. You know,
0: if we think of ourselves as robots with a whole lot of habits that we just kind of string together, then we can achieve anything we want because we just change the habits to create the outcome we want tell us what you think about habits
1: yeah did you ever read the the power of habit that book that was going around a while back
0: I'm reading it right now yeah yeah effect. it was
1: it was pretty good it was pretty good coming from somebody who's uh who's bitten their fingernails still at the age of 32 you know I, I do struggle with habits here and there but um yeah just you know you just keep going with it and people just really with the mindfulness and the health and wellness of anything if you can just kind of first decide that you're gonna do the habit and then get out of your own way a little bit and if the habit breaks down I, I always this resonates with me with nutrition, is people fall off the wagon and I tell them it's like, okay, you fell off the wagon for one meal. Try not to make it two. If it's two, then don't make it three. If it's three, don't make it a month, you know. Just sure. shake your head shake your hands, be like, all right, that was a pizza, no big deal, moving moving on, you know. Yeah. So the same thing can go with the mindfulness aspects and the daily habits of well. But you know, then you just keep trying. I I can't mm-hmm. I can't say that I'm great at it with my mindfulness training. Do I do certain things every day? Yeah. You know, do I am I good at getting to sleep when I want? Do I wake up and breathe and stretch a little? Do I drink my 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 healthy breakfast or you know drink my buttered coffee and my sardines, my weird breakfast in the morning and try and you know have my daily habits throughout that that continue, but you just kind of put yourself in there, but you can also have the habit of not being upset when the habit breaks down for a little bit like try and increase habits of just getting back onto these habits you're trying to increase, and then yeah it'll just it'll just start to permeate it'll just start to once you just make the decision to do it and then make the decision not to judge yourself on if and when it you know, falters a little bit, you're just, you're going to be in a much better state and then it just becomes a part of you. Everything you do, just, it starts to just become a part of what it can, but then you got to, you know, stay mindful with it. Make sure that you're staying in a mindful state and not letting that control you. I, I have an, I have a tendency to be a, a kind of, I call it passionate. People call it obsessive, you know, <laughs> where I'll, I'll get, I'll get really into something that I'm into. And that, that can be a non-mindful state when the new thing that you've tried to increase in your body is now, you know, taking over and taking up all your, your, your brain energies and such. So just be open to it. Just be open to creating a habit, right? Start small again. Don't, don't try and like, I'm going to lose 15 pounds. I'm going to gain 10 pounds of muscle. I'm going to be the most mindful warrior on the planet. Just be like, all right, which one you picking first, you know, just dabble a little bit. If you can, I always like start with nutrition. I tell people like what's one what's one thing you can do? Don't cut out x y and z, just cut out x for now, you know? So yeah. Don't sit you're not going to sit for 20 minutes of mindfulness. You're going to take five five big deep breaths before you like right before you walk out the door to work and then five deep breaths right before you get out of your car, you know, just little mm-hmm. things like that. You could just kind of Kind of go, and I like the ideas of if if you keep reading the book, there's there's a, you know the like kind of the rubber band switching that kind of stuff, yeah. Where you can take the rubber band, so you took your five breaths okay, it goes on your left wrist. Now you took your five breaths it goes on your right, and you you know you keep going back and forth and. There was a couple. There was there was actually a whole section in there about. It. I think it was about biting her fingernails. Oh yeah. <laughs> when, when she wanted to bite her fingernails, she'd make a fist. And then she actually had a little notebook that she'd make a tally. There's cool apps now. I think that have yes. like indicators where you can like hit the hit the just hit the color button if mm-hmm. like you did the if, when it came into mind. I haven't experienced those yet, but I could. I could definitely benefit from that as well. But yeah, just keep just decide to try and make a habit. And then just just the habit will increase because it's a habit.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, Alex, I just want to jump on something that you said, make the decision not to judge myself. And that, you know, like, I think that's one of the things that holds us back so much is that, you know, our mind starts doing this thing, you know, judging, 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 our mind starts saying these things about, hey, you know, you're not achieving or you're not pulling this off or you, you know, you're waiting money every day and you're not making enough money or whatever it is. So let's talk more about how to make the decision not to judge yourself.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. It's it's. I'm, I'm not trying. I'm sorry if I'm plugging my podcast, but I, this is no, my no. That's one good. of my one of my. I always start my yoga classes. I don't know if people like it, but I start it with my my sidefulness kind of stuff, like a science idea. And you know, the concept of just self talk that that conscious voice mm-hmm. inside our head is arguably the most powerful thing we have as a person. And we we don't know. We think it's the definitely the highest power of self talk out of anything in the animal kingdom. Mm-hmm. So I always try and focus on this idea of if you really listen to it, which you know was what mindfulness is doing. Right, you're. Trying to come in, come into relationship a little bit with that voice. That voice is most likely. uh, It's most likely a hater. You know, Mm -hmm. it's most likely probably the most judgmental, the most aggressive voice out of any voice in your in your entire body or in your entire life, really. You know, and we as humans, we we fixate on the, the you know the negativity bias. I find to be a fascinating human endeavor so that 's something I was trying to focus on with the with the judgment is you just have to first off just listen to it you know it 's mm-hmm. just going to be what it 's going to be, and then you slowly, even if you don 't even do it, if you just make the decision to listen to it you 're a smart person you 're slowly going to realize that the mind is a little crazy in there and it 's telling you things that haven 't happened yet, things that have never happened that probably won 't ever happen and you know, the haters going to hate of the world. That's usually the, that's usually the voice that has the strongest hate. So I always try and tell people that if you're going to have this internal monologue, make sure that that's a, that's a monologue of love, compassion, and understanding to the best of your ability, you know, not every day. Like, you know my, my brain my brain was mad at me yesterday because I didn't go to the gym. I stayed home because it was rainy out. You know it's like all right whatever moving on. You know, mm-hmm. but and then you know the whole world we do right. Any any creative people out there? Any athletic people? Anything where you're doing something that's a little on the fringes where you're mm-hmm. a little different? It's very easy to fall into the to the negativity bias, right? Say you have mm-hmm. say you have a podcast or you have a you're teaching a school lesson and 40 people tell you how wonderful it is. If one person's really negative about it, yeah. that sticks with you. You know I I struggle so if I have one kid falling asleep in my in my science classroom i'm like oh my god oh my god oh my god (laughs) when i got i have 30 others who are into what i'm talking about you know so it's something that when you start to realize that and then i just kind of just shake it off you 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 have to some days you won't be able to some days that voice is going to be really aggressive with you and that's just a day where you just breathe through it go to bed and hopefully tomorrow it'll it'll fizzle a little bit less but yeah it's it's a challenge that's that's with you know the spider-man idea with great power comes great responsibility and having that internal monologue that self-conscious mind is amazing but it can it can it can wield a big hammer to really mess with your life if you let it
0: Yeah, well, I want to talk about exams and tests. When I was in school and university, sometimes I would, I I knew that this happened to me. I didn't know why that I would kind of seize up, you know, and it was time for the exam and I'd done great all term and I'd get in there for an exam and I would just, I think, oh, I know this stuff, but it's gone. I don't know where the info is. And and then a lot of times, then later I realized that a lot of times I was kind of putting my head down and feeling discouraged and somebody says, oh no, you should should open your eyes and kind of look up look up kind of use your peripheral vision and and so I started doing that and I would kind of look up and look off to the side and I was like oh that fact just popped into my head this info just came back what do you think that connection is with our peripheral vision and the mind
1: Maybe. You're, I, I've never heard of that one. That one's pretty awesome. Maybe you're just being able to focus on stuff where if you close your eyes, you're you're just limiting stimulus. So maybe you're able okay. to, to look at other things in other directions that, to slow the brain down. But yeah, that's a, that's an, int- I've never heard of the the peripheral vision kind of one, but I'll use that with my students. I'll let them know. Yeah. The, the, the exam stuff is crazy. It's, I just recently watched a uh, documentary called race to nowhere. That was really terrifying how the students of today are just incredibly way more hyper-stressed and especially the, uh, the highest achieving ones. But yeah, the, the exams are, the exams are crazy. You're, it's just such a high pressure situation. And even as a teacher, I, like, I hate finals. I, I despise finals. I, I give finals because I have to if I really I don't think I don't think I'd give them if I if I didn't have to. It's just it's just a way too high pressure of a situation for I don't just don't think it tells the kids anything. You know, it's like an entire year comes down to one test for 20 percent of your grade at my school. It's just it's just catastrophic. It's like one out of maybe one out of 10 kids, even like one out of 30, will will increase their grade with finals. Most of the time it does nothing but drop their grade down. So right. I just hate that. But for little little things for me that always help me, I try and give a couple. The thing that always made sense in my mind was I um, I skip the ones that I don't know. Like I still do this today mm-hmm. if I ever take a test to where like your mind will rev on something and mm-hmm. you kind of think about it has like gasoline. It's just going to run out of energy sooner or later. So when you're taking the test, I tell the kids read through it, and if you don't know number two, if your does it instantly pop into your brain, just circle it and go on to number three. That's it. You're just circling it, going on to number three. Mm-hmm. You'll come back to it for twofold reasons. One is you're going to go through and hopefully find the ones that you'd know. You'll therefore gain confidence, mm-hmm. and then number two is you can come back to that answer which you might not know anyways. You know, so what's the point of stressing yourself out? Yeah. And hindering your chances of getting the ones that you do know correct. And like you said, you never know when the mind starts to slow as you go through the test, and you're getting more, and you're kind of getting at ease. Maybe it'll just pop back in there. Maybe something will resonate and click the fact into your brain while from some other question, you know. So I tell them just to like, if it doesn't just pop into your head right away as I know that answer, just circle it. And it's okay if you circle like ten in a row. We'll come back to them, you know. It's just you might as well see what you know first and start with the good and leave the bad for second, as opposed to just fixating on the same problem for four to five minutes. You oh, know? yeah,
0: for sure. I'm going to share that with my son. He's a math and science guy. Yeah. And that's great, great advice. That, that, one,
1: that one always really helped me out a <laughs> yeah, lot.
0: For sure. Alex, I've worked in bullying prevention for a long time, and I've seen how mindfulness can really help in that area. Do you have a story about bullying, either involving yourself or someone else, where mindfulness might have made a difference?
1: Oh, yeah. I, was, I, was, I actually got bullied really hard in middle school. Oh, I, yeah? I, yeah, it's actually had a ma- massive negative effect on my life. So I was thinking about how the mindfulness could have helped, and you know, a lot of times when the mind, when the bullying's going down, when you're the yeah. victim of it, I mean, just maybe being mindful to reach out for more. I don't know. It's such a terrifying thing, you know. Yes. Bullying's just just it's just a plague. It's just awful. I, I fear it as a teacher that like I'm not seeing it taking place, you know. And yes. when I do hear about bullying, I, I honestly get a little aggressive in my mind. Like I want to I want to ask the kid like Who is it? You know? Let's go. I'll, I'll help you. You know? I don't know. Because I, I always I always really struggle with that. I'd say the best thing for it. You know, you can't really control the bully, but even if now I'm at this later stages of my life, I'm actually mindful of how that actually still affects me because it does. I, yes. I'm I'm fully well aware that it definitely in social settings, like for example, if. I have a friend or a girlfriend or anything like that. And as soon as one thing goes negative, I instantly think like they don't like me. They don't like me. Like this is falling apart where I think it was just that because of that constant fear in social settings to where I wouldn't I was in middle school. I I really wouldn't go many places because I was just so afraid of him being there kind of thing. Yes. So now in life, if anything, I think mindfulness can help you just cope with what it was, you know, like it's the past. It's over. Let's focus on the now. Let's focus where we're at now. In in the moment, I, I don't know. I was I, I honestly I pondered that question since you sent it to me yesterday and just mindfulness in general would've helped me with my fear and anxiety a little bit, but you know, I couldn't I couldn't I, I couldn't really stop the rumors and stuff that he you know he wanted to do to me during that time frame. But I'd say definitely in later stages of life, once you get through it, it can help you or once it's happening, in terms of just the control, what you can control, kind of thing, and yeah. who knows, maybe it would, you know, if I would have had a different mindset on it, maybe we could have done something more about it. But it, it's terrifying. I mean, it's it's the number one thing to do. I'd say, if anything, if if it's happening to a kid, just be mindful to reach out to people and be mindful enough to find someone you can can trust to try and figure out ways around it and do everything in your power to take action against it instead of just letting it eat away two years of your life. And to, I can tell you from experience, it was two school years. But I mean, man, it it permeated through. Honestly, life. I I still probably don't even you know. You probably don't even understand the baggage that you have from it. Still,
0: yeah, probably not. So, what years? What years of your life was it? And and what are some of the things that happened in order to pull you down?
1: Uh, Seventh and eighth grade. It was. uh, It just kind of slowly progressed, and he. It just he just decided to, you know, just like the. To stereotypical kid stuff, just rumor things. And he's, okay. you know, the internet was just coming into being, mm-hmm. like a AOL Messenger was just coming on, and he spread some stuff around there that just was kind of blindsiding about, yeah. you know, like sexuality and other, you know, just stupid sure. kid stuff, you yeah, know? Yeah.
0: And it was just one specific student doing this.
1: Well, yes, looking back, he was the catalyst, but mm-hmm. he was a popular kid. So you know how it goes. Yeah, it, yeah. it turns in, it. turns into a little army against you. And when right. you go from a happy, healthy kid to, I mean, multiple times, I, I can remember two or three parties where I, I was, you know, crying at home, crippling in fear, just because I was too afraid to go thinking if he'd even be there. And I have no clue if he even was, you know.
0: So Alex, as a scientist, why do you think it is that we as human beings don't want to tell anybody? We, we a lot of times want to just keep it inside and, and we're afraid to Talk about it.
1: I think it might just come back to just the kind of weakness thing, you know, like the mm-hmm. the, the so, even like the social science aspect of it. Just especially from male a male perspective, is you're you're always in this kind of alpha male thing, right? It, yeah. You don't want to see weakness. I I actually struggle with mindfulness with boys more than the girls, especially in the high school, because I I think it's just kind of that like you know like puffy chest thing, like I don't I don't need anybody's help kind of stuff and. Uh-huh. And it's just it, it's just scary, and I think I know for me I didn't do much about it because you just you almost wanted to try and ignore it into 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 existence, and mm-hmm. it never it never went away. Yeah. And I don't know, it's just I don't, I really wouldn't know the science. I've never really studied the neuroscience of bullying, but sure. just that negative aspect, and it's just cortisol levels. I'm I'm sure honestly thinking off the top of my head, I'm sure it comes back to that reptilian mind. You know, like yeah. that bully that bully is a stressor. That bully is a thing that is that is negative to you, and. It increases depression tendencies when depression tendencies makes you shut down. You know, you don't you don't think straight. So it's probably just a it probably just increases like a neural neural concoction of chemicals in your brain that makes you act, walk and talk differently than what you would without without that stimulus in your life.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: It's pretty it's pretty scary.
0: Yeah. My, my next questions are part of the multimode round. Just short 30 second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice?
1: Uh, I'd honestly say Tim Ferriss, that the Tim Ferriss podcast. He just the amount of people he brings on is really great, and then I I really enjoy Tara Brock as well. She's got a Tara Brock. She's got a really cool podcast that actually allows for meditations. But yeah, the podcast world has been the biggest influence on me, just thinking and listening to those people.
0: Fantastic. How has mindfulness affected your emotions?
1: Oh, it slows me down in a great way it, it opens you up it slows you down and it opens you up to the kind of the moments and now you then you look back on life and think about how many times you just went from point A to point B without looking at all the different things in between so yeah it just it slows me down it it, it centers me a little bit. it definitely has an ease factor increases happiness, increases sleep I mean it, it's it's a wonderful wonderful tool to have in life
0: you mentioned a little bit about breathing, but tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice.
1: Uh I try and I try and do five big breaths here and there like we just keep it simple with the kids we do five breath beginnings and then uh, I'll just vary it up. Some days I'll just sit and just not think about my breathing. Other time I'll consciously take in big inhales and you know just exhale them quickly. Other times I'll try and sync the breathing up. Like I've been really I got a I got a set of mala beads from a from a Buddhist monk that I really have been enjoying where you count the beads as you breathe. Sometimes I do box breathing where you inhale up for five, hold it at the top for five, down for five, hold it at the bottom for five, and just continue the circle. Right. So, you know, I kind of vary up the breathing as what's well. so I'd call it power breathing here and there. Yeah. And then as an athlete you I I know the power of the breath, you know, it makes me when I'm doing my fitness and sports related stuff to come back to catching my breath here and there and really being mindful of it instead of that. I also have asthma. So I always have to be a, be aware of what my, what my breath is doing.
0: Right, right. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would it be?
1: Uh, that 10% Happier one was really good. The one from Dan Harris. I thought oh, yes. that was really, that was a down to earth book that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I, I, did, I did really enjoy it. He's got a podcast now that I really like.
0: Yeah. Can you share an app which helps you be more mindful?
1: The only one I've really dealt with is uh, Headspace. Headspace is nice. I've heard Calm and others are pretty good, but uh, I've done that. I've actually gone through twice because I'm cheap. (laughs) (laughs) I've gone gone through the 10 day day challenge twice. And it's just, that's really easy.
0: What advice would you give a person who's new to the idea of mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life?
1: I would say just taking a deep breath, exhale, and just decide you're going to start it. Just just attempt to do it, whatever you can do. Honestly, I would start with the apps. I I, I would not try and do it by myself. Maybe that that uh the sitting one with the music is pretty easy, and you don't have to think about sitting up regimentally straight. You don't have to sit about perfect posture. You know whatever that may be. Just just I'd say start with the one song breathing, and then if you got some time, sit sit and try and do the uh, the ten minutes of mindfulness thing.
0: Alex I really have enjoyed our talk today it's yeah, been this a was real, fun. yeah it has been and it's a real pleasure to talk to somebody that has so much passion like you do and uh, I, I'm just fascinated with all your areas that you love to work in like fitness and nutrition and, and of course science being the scientist that is really inspiring your students so how can we learn more about what you do and uh, maybe connect with you.
1: Oh, I'd love for that to take place. Uh, the, fir- the podcast we keep talking about is that Beautiful Dust Specs. So check that on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud. Um, I've been also posting. I have Beautiful Dust Specs at Instagram. So I'll post a picture when I uh, uh, update an, an image or something. Mm-hmm. So you can check out, that, check out with that. I also have an Instagram called Yobility. I, I actually have a Facebook page. My, my yoga world is I, I try and bring yoga and mobility to kind of power athletes. Think of like the CrossFit world. So I have this method that I call Yobility. So Facebook.com forward slash Yobility and then Facebook forward slash Beautiful Dust Specs as well. And then what else we got? I have at Yobility on Twitter and I have at my, my main Twitter page is at the underscore Science Bro. So the Science Bro with an underscore <laughs> right. and um, BeautifulDustSpecs.com right now. So right. yeah, really anywhere. Just Super. check. Hit me up, and I'll gladly—I'd love to talk. If anyone needs help or can teach me something, I'm always down for conversation. It's my favorite part of living.
0: And I'll put all this in our in our show notes as well, which is mindfulnessmode.com. So check that out. So great talking with you, and I hope the rest of your day is awesome. Thanks, you Alex. You
1: too. All right, my pleasure. Thanks okay. for having me. Yep.
0: Yeah, bye now.